All right. Good morning, everyone. This is the Marin Transit meeting of um, Monday, March 6th. We are meeting in person in hybrid fashion um, for the first time in a long time, three years. And so we are meeting under AB 2449, uh, which allows this to happen. And it also allows folks to, directors to participate remotely if they, um, under certain special circumstances. And I am gonna hand it over to Ms. Burt to explain anything you need to explain before we do the roll call. Yes, thank you. Um, I will say we have no requests for virtual participation at this time. Um, and I will now call roll. Go ahead. Thank you. President Rice. Here. Vice President Colbert. Second Vice President Lucan. Here. Director Moulton Peters. Here. Director Rodoni. Here. Director Sackett. Here. Director Bushy. Director Casisa. Thank Here. you. We have oh, thank you. We have a quorum. All right, and now Kate, could you please um, share how folks from the public can participate in the meeting uh, virtually? Yes, give me one moment to share my screen. Today's meeting will be simultaneously interpreted and broadcasted in Spanish. Attendees can now click on interpretation in the meeting controls and select the Spanish language channel. Closed captioning is also available. To turn on closed captioning, please click the button with two letter C's, which will look like the button displayed in the slideshow. At today's meeting, in-person comments will be heard before virtual comments. If you are joining us on Zoom and would like to comment, please use the raise hand icon located on your screen. If you are participating by phone call, please press star nine to raise your hand. When it is your turn to speak, your name will be called and you'll be prompted to unmute your device. You'll then have two minutes to speak. This concludes the instructions and I'll hand it over to Rodolfo to read these instructions in Spanish. Thank you. Muy buenos días. Um, solamente unas instrucciones para las personas que quieren participar uh, y escuchar la junta en español en castellano. Para escuchar esta reunión en español, por favor, haga clic en el globo de interpretación en su pantalla y seleccione el canal en español. Para ver esta reunión con sistema de subtítulos cerrados, por favor, haga clic en el icono de, con las letras CC en su pantalla. Muchas gracias. Thank you, and I will now hand the meeting back to President Rice. All right. Thank you very much. So our first item today is open time for public expression for items that are not. Oh, do I need to do that that one one thing? Consider approval request. No. We already did that. Okay, good. We have two scripts going here. We're a little rusty. All right. So it's open time for public expression uh, for items that are not on on the transit district agenda today, but are related to Marin Transit's um, business. And we'll start with folks here in the chambers. Good morning, sir. Uh, morning. Um, I was wondering if I could talk first about uh, a commute to San Francisco. Sure. Okay. Um, they used to have the 150 used to go to Nevada. I live in Nevada. And uh, the thing about it is, is like now the 150 only goes, you know, to San Rafael. And you already have all these buses that go to San Rafael anyway. You have the one. The 130, you know, besides the 101, you have the 130 and now the 150. So one time I was waiting for the bus from the city to go back to Novato 
and a 101 came by, but it was only going to San Rafael. And I thought, why do you need an extra bus going to San Rafael when those other buses had already stopped there? So I figured you could save some money that way on that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, so um, I know some of the bus drivers and they're like, um, they were telling me like a lot of benefits have been, you know, changed, you know, since the union closed or whatever. And uh, they tell me like their break is only like a half an hour. They used to get an hour and a half. So, I mean, they need to make some adjustments there and I, they just need more benefits. I mean, you know, it's like, I talked to this one guy at the movie theater and he was thinking about being a bus driver, but when he heard that the benefits weren't that good, he decided he didn't want to do it. So I know things are tough, but you got to try to find like a balance where, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, um, I'll talk for this other lady. I don't take her bus that much, but this one lady takes a 251. And apparently sometimes the bus doesn't always show up on time. One time she was at the bus stop for a couple hours still waiting on the bus, you know? And uh, yeah, so that's about all I have for right now. So great. Thank all right, you. thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my name's Michelle Reed. I am a county employee. And I just wanna let you know that um, I wish there was something better with your system to let us know when buses are canceled. Because I wanna tell you about experience that happened to me and to fellow county employees about a month ago. Um, we ride the smart train, we get off at the Marin Civic Center stop. We walk over to the bus stop in the morning um, to take either the 35 or the 49 over here to the Civic Center. And one morning we waited we thought, okay, it's coming. And then, then it didn't come. The 35 didn't come, the 49 didn't come. So then I finally called the phone number on the sign and it just tells you it will be there in three minutes and three minutes went by, there was no bus. So then I called the Marin Transit. Then I found out, oh, your bus is canceled. We're short on drivers. And I was like, well, how are we supposed to know when our bus is canceled? And they're like, you have to go to the website. So it's interesting. I went to the website today and sure enough, I had to drive today, but sure enough, my bus was canceled. So a lot of people, county employees get off the 712 train. So it would catch the 722 train, I mean, bus over here to the civic center. And so, um, and so every morning, unless we, once we get off the train or we're on the train and we check the website every morning, we don't know if our bus is coming or not. So ever, cause shortly after we, that bus was canceled about a month ago, um, we started checking, the person says, oh, check our website. So every morning we're checking the website. So do you have any type of notica notification email or like if there's any changes on your website that will send out an email and to say your these routes are being canceled today? So so we'll get um your time's up and but after public comment, I'll have the general manager make some um provide a response. Okay. Thank you. All right, is there anyone else here in the chambers that would like to speak during open time? 
Just wait till you get up. There we go. My name's Judy Morris, former employee. You pull the mic down. Sorry. There. Perfect. Up the library here. And I've also had the two buses this last week that didn't show up. And I know there's a concern about not enough drivers on it. And I'm concerned about that and what you're going to do about it. Also, I wondered if you're ever going to have a bus that goes into Los Gamos Kaiser, because it's really scary getting off there at the highway. Then you have to cross with the stoplight and there's cars coming from all directions and it's just not ideal. And then going back to Novato, that's where I live. It, um, you have to go all the way under the overpass and across the highway to get a bus going back. It's just not convenient. Right. Judy, thank you. And then what were the buses um, that the routes that you said uh, didn't show up? A 49, which is what I take a lot of the time, and also 251. All right. And then just um, did you uh, file any complaint or did you record that? No, I didn't. Okay. In Okay, in the future, that's probably a good thing to do. So thank you for that. And I'll have our general manager respond when, when we're done. Thank you very much, Judy. Yeah. It's wonderful having folks here in the chambers today. <laughs> Morning, Steve. Hi. How are you lying to about 257, the community shuttle bus? And... <clears throat> Frequently at 5.30, it hasn't shown up at all. So I end up waiting till 6 o'clock to catch the 2.45 to get back to Terralinda. It's been really cold at the transit center. You know, there's no indoor shelter there or anything. So I hope the 2.57 will continue running. I like that bus route. And, and I'm concerned about the 23 and the 35 running on time because when those buses start picking up high school students, you know, it's going to get full of students and, you know, the buses may not run on time, both the 23 and the 35 when they serve, start serving the high school. So I'm concerned about those buses falling behind schedule. Thank you. Thank you. All right. There's no one else here in the chambers. We can go to folks online. Kate, is there anyone, any speakers on Zoom? Yes, I see three individuals with raised hands. Susan W., please unmute. Yes, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, I wanted to, uh, uh, my comments um, somewhat mirror what the other um, speakers have mentioned. I want to, uh, uh, bring attention to the, uh, first of all, to the 17. Um, I, I wanna make first a general comment. I realize I don't have that much time. Um, I feel that um, I'm seeing, I'm a long time transit user and transit rider. And a lot of the riders support the businesses here in Marin County, and they depend on the buses, buses arriving on time. And they work, many work several jobs. So it's more, it's not just that they're late to their one job. Um, anyway, I want to uh, try to talk about for, uh, several things in a minute. Um, the woman who mentioned Kaiser Los Gamos, I have a suggestion. Maybe the 245 
can add a stop. Um, that would be really helpful. Uh, or drive up Los Camos, extend the 245 so that it drives down Los Camos towards the Y and maybe turns around. That would solve a lot of issues that way. The number 17, during commute hours heading north, the 17 doesn't seem to be showing up. This seems to be a very common problem. Successive, three successive times, three successive times between 3.30 and 6.30 uh, at, uh, for example, um, uh, Camino Alto and Miller. Nine people waiting. This is a very popular spot between the um, high school and all of the workers. Um, it's really, um, how about paying if there's certain routes that are that are especially difficult to get drivers how about giving yeah. battle pay ma'am ma'am thank you so much um and and if you want to share any additional comments please feel free to send an email we are going to be talking about some service changes um that are uh later on on the agenda and they are um actually that some of the service plan changes are made towards addressing some of the issues that our public speakers have raised during open time maybe not to specific routes but to the overall system um, efficiency and reliability, but thank you. Any other speakers, Kate? Yes, uh, Colton B, please unmute. Um, so I, uh, I'm a person who's um, taken the bus every day to get to College of Marine, as well as um, a number of um, friends of mine who take the same route as I do. Um, and this route um, has us sort of going through from Strawberry Village um, on the 22 to College of Marin and back. Um, and so that's where proposed changes would mean that it, the buses don't go in, um, in the Strawberry Village anymore. Um, but um, also something that um, I'm not sure if um, I don't think anybody else has talked about yet is um that frequently at college of marin within the past like couple months um the bus drivers or at least the buses at the end of the night just wouldn't go wouldn't show up um so there have been in the last couple months maybe 10 instances where the buses don't arrive at um 5 p.m or 5 30 um in those times um frequently um, and there have been a number of people at these bus stops every time, really. Um, and we sort of, and a couple of them have got together and had to schedule an Uber because the buses just weren't coming. Um, and I, I think it's definitely a pertinent problem and that's, it's, it's important. Um, but I think that that's all that I had really to say. Thank you. Kate, any additional speakers? Um, yes, we have Eva. Please unmute. Thanks. Can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. I just wanted to add a little bit of perspective about um, what's going on in the county as we're seeing uh, uh, cutbacks on transit and um, cutbacks of benefits to workers. This is one of the wealthiest and most racially segregated 
uh, counties in the state. It is the most racially segregated county in the state. Um, and uh, Golden Gate Trans uh, Marin Transit is vital for the poorest communities, which turn out to be uh, Latino and Black in this county. And as you're seeing these cuts occur, these are taking place amid a massive wealth transfer um, to the richest people in Marin County. Uh, the pandemic transferred ever more money um, into um, some of the wealthiest families. Um, you only need to look at the nearly $5 million forgiven PPP loan to uh, Marin Sanitary Service, um, Patty Garbarino's company, uh, to understand that. Um, meanwhile, uh, just look at what's happening in Belvedere, uh, where you have uh, not only a ton of hedge fund managers who've stripped out more and more wealth um, from working class people, uh, demolished unions, uh, but you actually have people like Mike Rowe, um, who presents himself as some sort of avatar for the common working man, um, but is being funded by the Koch brothers. Um, and other right-wing, uh, anti-union, anti-labor, anti-environmentalist, anti-regulatory uh, corporations. So, you know, as we're as we're chipping away at at these very vital things that working-class people really need, um, look at where the money is, and and look at how immoral this distribution is. I am going to say that, um, you know. When I worked in Marin in hospitality, uh, so many workers couldn't rely on transit at all because it was so underfunded. Thank you. Hey, go ahead. Kevin Carroll, please unmute. Good morning, Kevin Carroll of Larkspur. Uh, since some of you are both on Smart Board and Golden Gate Transit, there's two issues I'd like to bring up. One on um, the Golden Gate bus service is still providing, as far as I know, early morning service to BART. Uh, they started in 2019 when it might have made sense to just add it on to those deadheading buses to San Francisco. But those are hours that are now being used to help BART out uh, when over, I think last week, over 35 Marin to San Francisco runs were canceled by Golden Gate Transit. Um, and so I believe the memo I could find online about it said that that contract was going to run until this year. So I would strongly suggest that we service Marin County people over the BART uh, district people. And number two, um, they I would you're some of you are both on either Smart or Golden Gate Transit. I would like to see the numbers for how many people are riding buses from. Santa Rosa to San Rafael on buses versus how many are riding on the train? And can we really afford with the driver shortage, can we really afford to have duplicate services? And wouldn't it make more sense for Sonoma to be providing intra their inside county service and or shuttles to the smart train um, to support that? It just seems silly to me. And I would love to see a chart showing those numbers matching the bus numbers against the trains that are running at exactly the same time. I think that would be very revealing. Thank you. Next speaker, Kate. Gabriel Garcia, please unmute. 
Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, I want to share uh, that uh, that I know I ride the uh, the uh, bus from uh, San Rafael Trans Center to College Marin, and I heard that the uh, 29 is going to be running from San Rafael to um, to East Cormadera. And to me, it's kind of like uh, ridiculous, like because I noticed some students uh, commute from Larkspur Landing, Greenbrae to College Marin. Well, what I was thinking is that we can increase the frequency on 228 since it runs from San Rafael via Greenbrae and Fairfax Manor to uh, run a three-minute frequency, so that way uh, students can run, so that way students can have a one-seat ride from from uh, College Marin to Greenbrae. I think that'll be a great idea, and not only that, it'll be a bonus for um for students who are who live in Fairfax and don't have to wait for a next bus for another hour. So this way, think and and. And sometimes the 22 doesn't even show up. So I think this would be a great alternative for uh, the 22 riders that they, can, that they can take the 228. So that's all I have for right now. Thanks so much. Thank you. President Rice, there are no additional speakers in the queue. All right. Uh, thank you, Kate. So I'm going to bring it back here and um, maybe Nancy, if you have some responses generally, um, as I noted, some of those comments were probably really germane to our conversation around the service upcoming service changes. So I'm, I saw Robert taking notes um, and maybe he can get to those when we get to, to, the, to that item. But for now, what would you have to say? I'm um, just a, a just a couple of things here. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, item six today, we're gonna have a public hearing on the service changes and those service changes are aimed at exactly the problems that have been mentioned in the comments today. So we know that we are missing service. Uh, we have late service and that is one of the biggest problems that we're trying to solve with these service changes. Those missed and late trips are due largely to two things. One is the driver shortage and the other is the changing traffic conditions. So the schedule changes and the routing changes that are being proposed are an attempt to address, address that very condition. Um, just one other comment, though, about the information and how, how we can get that out there. Um, one of the things that we have been doing a little I think a little bit better, a little bit more is using social media to inform riders about canceled service. So um, Twitter, for example, is some way that one of the ways that we do try to notify riders of, of that canceled service. It is definitely not perfect. And one of the items on your consent calendar today is for us to purchase some software that will actually improve that. So it'll actually make better predictions about when a bus will arrive at the stop. And then it pushes that out more automatically, I'll say, without us having to um, be the intermediary where we literally get a call from our contractors who are providing the service that a trip is canceled, then we put it out on Twitter. We it, it will do a lot of that for us or um, minimize any delays in that. So that's one of the um, advantages of the product that we're recommending in your uh, consent calendar today. So uh, hopefully people will get better information. And I believe um, the other items, the majority of those, the items that were mentioned uh, will be addressed in some fashion by Robert today in okay. um, item six. Good, thank you. All right, we're all good. All right, Nancy, so with that, um, we'll move on to board of directors matters. Uh, any directors have anything they'd like to share today? All right, um, then we will go on to the general manager's report. Good morning, President Rice and directors. Um, this is our first in-person board meeting for three years. It was actually March 3rd in 2020 when we were last here and we're really glad to be here and in person. 
So um, I've invited nearly all of the Marin Transit staff to be here uh, to see everybody so that we could actually see people in person and not on the little small Zoom squares. So um, actually there are several people that we have hired since the, um, the last time we were in these chambers. And I'm gonna ask them to stand first and I'll call them out by name. And that's um, Kathleen Sullivan, Griselle Martinez, Ceci Morales, Cliff Cortez, Kyle French, and Kate Burt, and you know Kate from many things. Um, but those are our newest employees, and then Asher Butnik, who um, you've seen on the screen before too, who couldn't be here today. And then I'd like just everybody else in the staff to stand up so that you can be seen and um, welcome you all back here. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> okay. Um, Thank you. And then actually, uh, Cliff Cortez is the latest member to join our staff. Cliff just joined us last week, and um, he's our new senior procurement and contract analyst. So Cliff, if you just want to wave or stand up <laughs> again, um, we're thrilled to have Cliff joining us and bringing his expertise in um, this new position at Marin Transit. Uh, procurement is a new area for us in terms of having a specific person for that. Previously, he worked at LA World Airports as a procurement su supervisor. And he also has experience working in procurement at, for the city of Los Angeles. Uh, Cliff, ha Cliff has a Bachelor of Science degree in computer information systems, and we welcome him to the Bay Area and to Marin Transit. So, all right. <laughs> and then Kate, if you could bring up my slides. Yeah, there we go. Um, just have very brief slides today on the on ridership. So you can move that one, move the slide, there we go. And this is a slide we've, you've seen before, but just wanted to remind you that Marin Transit continues to be a leader in the Bay Area in terms of recovery of pre-COVID ridership. Uh, this chart shows the percentage of ridership recovered, and this one compares December of 2022 to December of 2019. And where you can see we're showing uh, Marin Transit in the dark blue bar there at 85%. And um, we, so with that level of recovery, we are, as you can see, still the highest. And um, you can also see the, the lower ones on there are tend to be the transit agencies that serve the traditional commutes into downtown San Francisco. And they're in the like 35 to 40% range. Next slide, please. And this slide just shows where we are with actual ridership, kind of hard to read. But um, I think the important point here is that we are the dark bar in the middle. We are actually showing up as seventh within the region, and that's among uh, 27 Bay Area operators. And so we're at uh, a, a little over 200,000 passengers for the month of December. And um, we're kind of there between Caltrain and County Connection and just reminding everybody that we're considered one of the small operators and we're actually outperforming some of the, the large operators. So um, that's our ridership uh, uh, for the comparison. Go ahead, Kate. And then just in your packet, you always have our monthly ridership report. And this highlights the fixed route ridership for December of 2022. Um, this is where we compare our current fixed route ridership to the ridership from the prior year. The gray line shows the ridership for the month for, uh, excuse me, by month for all of the last fiscal year. And then the red line on the top shows the ridership for this year. And in December, our ridership was a little over 200,000. And you can go on to the next slide, Kate. So then for demand response, as you know, that ridership has plateaued quite a bit on our Marine Access Services, and it is currently at less than half of where we were pre-COVID. 
Um, our ridership kind of started to decline over the last few months and has dropped below the 2021 levels. For the month of December, ridership was just below uh, 6,000 passengers, a little bit below 6,000 passengers. So, um, and that again is in your, uh, your report. I will also just remind you that in your packet uh, today, you also have a quarterly report on performance that does it right route by route. Um, so you can see even more detail on each of our routes and ridership and other performance statistics. Um, that concludes my report. Happy to answer any questions. Right. Yes, uh, Director Moulton Peters. Yeah. Good morning, Nancy. Thanks for the report. Question: We've had some conversations here at the county on providing services for seniors, and social isolation has been one of the issues mm -hmm. that's been raised. And this question goes to our demand response. Uh, service as well as our um, paratransit. Have we um, dug in a little deeper to see what it is that's preventing seniors from coming back out and using our transit? Because it, it seems like they have an, a need to get out and reconnect in the community. So I, I just wanted what we knew on our end about that. Yeah, I think so. What we do know so far is that at least during COVID and even up till recently, a number of the programs that a lot of the Marine Access riders used uh, were not, you know, day programs and that sort of thing were not back in person. So there, there wasn't that uh, level of travel needed in some, I mean, maybe needed, I shouldn't, shouldn't say, but there wasn't a program that they were going to. So that, that was one thing. Um, I think, of course, it is a much more vulnerable population. So we know that there may be a lot more concern about health and being out. And so there, there were, we believe there were not as many riders who were willing to, to go out about. And certainly uh, even the trends, when we look at the line graphs, you can see that during the times that the Omicron variant came out, that sort of thing, you can see that there was definitely a downturn. Um, so yeah, we are doing, we do a survey annually, and I think we might have some more information uh, on that. We also are looking at ways that we can change up our program to strengthen it. And um, I mean, we are facing the same problem uh, on our demand response side with regard to rider, I mean, with regard to drivers and uh, getting drivers to work. Uh, so we've got a number of things that we're trying to do to make that service better and more attractive so that people can get back out and do, doing things. Thank you, that's helpful. Any other questions for Nancy? All right, well, I just wanna say a welcome to the entire Marin Transit staff and especially to, so nice to meet the new uh, employees. It's um, really a great family you all have become a, a part of. We're really proud of this agency. And the reason that Marin Transit is, has done so well is because of its great staff. So all of you who are new to the team, welcome. And you joined a great family and just so nice to see everybody here back in person. Um, so with that, we will, let's see, is there any uh, public comment then on the general manager's report? Kate, I don't, anyone here in the chambers want to speak to the general manager's report? Right, see no one here. Can we go to folks on Zoom? Yes, Eva, you may now unmute. Thanks. Um, to Stephanie Moulton-Peters, a uh, question about why seniors aren't um, coming back onto, onto uh, transit in the numbers we might hope. Uh, I think I think it is important to note that you had very severe storms um, this year, and a lot of people weren't just going out. It wasn't just seniors. It was it was also you know if you work in hospitality, your restaurant might be closed or they might be cutting staff that day. You also won't be on that bus. Um, and you'll be much less likely to take the bus if service has been cut. You'll 
you're you're probably going to be working out an arrangement with some of your coworkers, um, which is what we saw very often um, in hospitality. It was just more because you know, you get off late, you can't be waiting at a wet bus stop. I do want to point out that the retired uh, librarian who spoke made a really good point about just trying to use the bus um, to get to Kaiser. Um, That's a really dangerous uh, uh, place to have to cross as a pedestrian. It's almost, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Bowfinger uh, with, with Eddie Murphy, when he tries to cross the freeway, I'm, I'm 54 and I find a lot of these intersections absolutely daunting and, and terrifying across. I cannot imagine being 65 uh, and, and trying to do that um, or being disabled and trying, trying to do that. Um, So, you know, the more we cut service and uh, the more barriers there are to people using service, the more attrition you're going to see. And then it's, it's kind of a vicious cycle I, I would uh, suggest that you look at Fairbox revenues and, and if 10% is really actually useful in the long term, why not make it free and thereby increase readership, ridership, uh, because there will be one less barrier. It's not that much money to begin with for, for you guys. It is for the poor. Thank you. Kevin Carroll, please unmute. Again, good morning. Um, I'm just curious if the agency has worked at all with, in Sausalito, there's the CARS program, C-A-R-R-S, and then there's the five or six village programs that are arranging local rides uh, for for seniors in their communities. And while ideally you would coordinate dispatching with them, but has there been any communication with those organizations so that when they're unavailable to provide a ride, that they themselves, the dispatchers for those organizations, can communicate directly uh, with your agency uh, to provide backup service. I've never heard any discussion of coordination with uh, these groups before. And I think particularly the seniors I deal with as a cab driver, I recommend these programs, particularly when I know there's a financial need um and i'm just curious you know do they recommend you guys or have a hotline or any way to try to use you to get an immediate response for that senior because that's one of the big problems these seniors have is they'll try one program when they're told no they won't pursue another option and so in that area they might need some help if there was better coordination thank you Susan W., please unmute. Thank you. Um, a comment about paratransit. I think that um, I think a lot of the community members don't really know quite about the services that uh, paratransit and other associated um, programs. Um, I don't think that a lot of the community members are just don't know about them. And um, also, it's not just the elderly who might be taking paratransit. Um, there might be community members who say broke their leg or, or other scenarios where, uh, and maybe, um, maybe in, uh, there could be something um, that's simple 
that shows um, what services there are some somewhere to get the to get the word out. Um, I speak with many um, seniors who should be or could be using some of the services, and they just uh, don't. Um, I don't think they're familiar. They're not familiar with it. And I think in their eye, in their minds, they're, they're thinking only very disabled people would use it, even though I know it would be extremely helpful to many people. Anyway, I think some people have a vision that only very, very disabled would be using paratransit. And I, I just think there's confusion or just lack of information. Thank you. I think it's really, um, I think that there are many uh, very positive um, resources out there. I just don't think, I'm repeating myself, I just don't think the community fully understands. Thank you again. There are no additional speakers in the queue. All right. Well, thank you. That was a really valuable comment. Uh, thank you to the public speakers. And I think we'll be hearing more about outreach and connection to our demand response service in the future, Nancy. Yes? Yes. All yes, right. you will. Um, so with that, we're going to move on to the consent calendar. Are there any items? Yes. Director Second. So I don't know if this is appropriate. So if it's not, let me know. But um, I just think given the comments we've heard today, if we could hear a little bit about item 5C and what that hopes to achieve and what that communication looks like, um, in particular to the passengers. Mm -hmm. um, and then on 5E, a couple of things jumped out on that too um, that may be worth talking about. Great. Appropriate. Anybody, any other items that directors would like to have spoken to? Okay. So Nancy, could you um, pick up on that? Some more detail on item 5C, which is the passenger information vehicle tracking system and communication. And I know one of the things that um, not just the content, but in terms of timing and how this gets rolled out, and then we'll move on to 5E. Sure. And I, Robert's going to speak to, um, I'll just let you know, 5C is a contract approval for uh, software called Swiftly. And um, it's what I spoke to you a little bit earlier, but I'll let Robert take it away with answering some of the questions about when it might be put in place and kind of more about what it does. Yeah. Good morning, President Rice, members of the board, Robert Betts, Director of Operations and Service Development. Item 5C uh, is a request to purchase software from a company called Swiftly that would allow us to not only improve our real-time information, but also to do more dynamic messaging directly to riders about service impacts, including service cancellations, detours, and delays. Um, our, our, what we call our AVL system, our automatic vehicle location system, is actually um, two different systems. Uh, it, it, there's one system on the Golden Gate operated vehicles, there's one system on all of our other vehicles. And this Swiftly software actually helps us integrate those two feeds and consolidate those two feeds and provide those to third-party app developers, to Google, to 511, to anyone who's getting our information digitally. So this investment um, will, will greatly improve the accuracy of that information, and we're finding out more and more how important that information is as we invest in real-time passenger information signs that go at the bus stop. That information is only good if the 
the data is accurate. Um, we're also doing a lot more on our website, our mobile site um, for real-time information. So you can put in our stop ID at any uh, bus stop and get real-time information on your smartphone. And we're also learning as we invest and work with the cities about potentially getting some traffic signal priority, it relies on an accurate real-time vehicle location feed. So um, all of those uh, reasons are really why we're recommending to make this investment. Um, and then uh, on the rider side, as mentioned earlier, we'll be able to, in real-time, cancel the trip and have that information show up for the rider. So it won't show up as a planned trip. It'll actually show up as canceled. It also allows us to do detours. So anytime we have road construction, we can go into the software and say this route for the next three hours, for the next five days is going to be on detour. So any stops along that, um, that detoured route will show up to the rider as not being serviced on that day. Okay. And when you say it goes to the rider as canceled, do they have to have like signed in to get updates on that route or is it, do they have to go to the website or Google Transit in order to find out that yeah, information? Th there's a number of ways you can get that, that information. As Nancy mentioned, even in advance of this software investment, staff has started to post uh, service cancellations on our website and to our Twitter feed. So that's a little bit of a manual process and it requires some communication with our contractors, but we're doing that today, recognizing that we are experiencing a higher service cancellation rate than we've seen almost any time historically. Um, so it will automatically um, help facilitate some of that messaging. Now in a, in a Google Maps environment, a lot of our riders use Google Maps for their um, for their trip planning and for their real-time information. And in applications like the Transit app, um, it, it's actually going to tell the rider that this was a scheduled trip and it's been canceled. So it'll show it as a strike through through the trip. So they can actually see it's not a late bus. Um, it's actually a canceled bus. Thank you. Uh, Robert, I'm I'm looking at a um, an email I received from GGT yesterday, Sunday, about two canceled trips for Monday and Tuesday. And so I'm wondering, and I, I received these service alerts because I signed up on a subscriber preferences page. Yet, so I just wondered, do we have that option of pushing emails out to people that subscribe to our page? Or could we consider that in the future? We, we could. Um, we could also, there, there are also uh, text features. So if you don't have a smartphone that you can text the stop ID in and get that information as well. But in terms of doing proactive uh, yeah. e email distribution, we can consider that. We don't have the ability to filter that list by route. So if you're subscribed to our email, you're going to receive every service cancellation. Yes, and actually, I do get every service cancellation, so I have to decide which one is, you know, important to me. But anyway, I think finding a way to push them out proactively is it would be another service to think about. Great, thank yeah. you. And Robert, just one follow up. So, how do we communicate to our riders the various options there are for receiving sort of real time service alerts and information around uh, of the around service real time in the real time manner. How do our riders find out about those resources? Yeah, so um, our website is one resource. Uh, the rider guide does have information um, about how to get uh, real time information. Um, our rider panels that we put at all of our time point stops. So I would guess there's about 160 time point stops in the county. 
Um, each of those has a rider panel and it actually has the, the stop ID and a Q, well, not all of them have the QR code, but we're working on rolling that out as part of the June service change where they can actually scan that QR code and get that real-time information directly. Okay. And do we have anything on board the buses themselves? I just, I feel like we have to be as proactive as possible. Sometimes when you're we're sitting on a bus, that's a good time to take in some information and yeah, I know when we launched that feature on our mobile site, we did a campaign that, about the alerts uh, website. I'm not sure if those uh, okay. those in-vehicle notices are still up. But that well, I, I think it'd be good years. to think about a campaign, especially as we upgrade, you know, in, integrate this software and, and upgrade those resources, um, especially while we're having service disruptions for the various reasons. But hopefully they won't be needed. Those resources won't be needed in the future. All right. Um, then it was 5E, which is the quarterly performance report. Was there something specific, Director Sackett? Yeah, I was just looking in particular the volunteer driver program and that there was an 11% increase in, um, I guess, ridership, <laughs> if that's the right word for that program. Um, and that jumped out at me as potentially a plate, you know, that's a something that isn't as impacted presumably by the driver shortage um, and serves a very discreet population, I would think. And so I guess just kind of hearing one testing, are my assumptions correct? But two, if there's an opportunity for all of us to share that message about that, that program, um, you know, some of these things we had been going on for a long time, but just letting the public know that that exists. Yeah, your observation's exactly right. Volunteer driver has not, uh, we have not seen the decrease in ridership on that program compared to our other senior ADA programs. And I think a big reason is is around comfort, you know, that that program relies on the rider to find their driver. So it could be a friend or family member or somebody else to provide the transportation. So the comfort level may be a little bit higher for that individual to ride with somebody that they're, you know, uh, recruiting to drive as opposed to um, riding with an unfamiliar driver or even with a number of other passengers in the same vehicle. It's, can you just tell us how it works? Um, so we have actually two separate programs um, that function the same way. They just have different reimbursement amounts, one in kind of the urbanized area and, and one in West Marin. Um, and you you sign up for the program and you can submit a certain number of reimbursable miles um, every month. And um, the intent is that we give that reimbursement to the rider and then they pass along the payment to their driver just as a way to offset costs for their time, for fuel, for the transportation services. So it's a, it's a per mile reimbursement. Um, so there's no actual matching being done. That's that's finding a neighbor who's willing to drive and being able to compensate them a little bit. Correct. Okay. There are a number of of those those programs we call a traditional volunteer driver program. Um, I know Vivalon op operates one, the Cars program in Sausalito, Marin Villages. They have programs where they're not they're taking the trip request and matching it with the driver. Our program is a little bit different um, compared to those other volunteer driver programs. Thank you. All right. Any other questions on this one? Okay. So then we'll go to um, the public for any comment on the consent calendar on any of the specific items or generally. Anybody here in the chambers? 
All right, so let's go to folks on Zoom. And if you could identify which item you're speaking to. Eva, please unmute. Hey, I just thought I should let you guys know, I normally don't have problems finding um, the agendas for, uh, for meetings online. Um, the agenda for this meeting is, is very hard to find online. Um, I looked through the public hearing notice and I couldn't find it. And I'm going to the county uh, website to look for it. And I, I also can't find it there. Um, I emailed you um, just a little while ago about this, um, but it's, it's, it's gonna be difficult for people um, to comment on the consent um, agenda if, if they can't find the agenda overall. All right, thank you. Susan W., please unmute. Yes, thank you. Uh, regarding Swiftly, um, I'm not exactly sure if there's hardware also associated with it. And I have to admit, I don't know um, at the various bus pads that do have electronic uh, little billboard. I don't know if that's um, part of Marin Transit. But um, any, any um, type of, my concern of any kind of system has to do with security. It has to do with information security and has to do, if it's hardware also, I notice that there's destruction to the various build, uh, hardware at the, at the bus sites. And so I guess I'm, focusing on uh, security concerns, whether it's destructive to hardware or it's information um, data security. So um, just putting a comment that I hope is something that is um, looked at very seriously. Thank you. There are no additional speakers in the queue. All right, thank you very much. Uh, Nancy or Robert, anything on uh, the public comment? I, no, I don't believe so. Okay. All right. Um, so I would be then looking at care to the board. Is there a motion to approve the consent calendar or any other comment? I'll move the consent calendar. Uh, I'll second and abstain from the minutes since I wasn't here last time. Okay. So we have a motion, Luke, and second, Milton Peters. All those in favor? Aye. Aye. And we have one abstention on the minutes, and that was Milton Peters. Otherwise, the consent calendar is passed, uh, adopted unanimously. So now we're on to item six, and this is the public hearing uh, with regards to the proposed June 2023 service changes. Nancy, Robert? Sure. Way. Yes, Robert's going to walk us through this one, but um, he'll do a presentation for you on, on the service changes and some of the comments we received, as well as response to some of those comments. And then um, Director Rice, you will be asked to open the public hearing. And then when we hear comments, we'll close the public comment period. So um, that's our proposal for today's item. Okay, good morning. Thanks, Nancy. Um, so as Nancy mentioned, I am going to walk through a brief presentation. Uh, this is what I would call kind of the, the third meeting now we've had sequentially to really discuss the service changes and, and uh, dating back to our, our January board meeting is when uh, we brought to your board uh, an overview of a lot of the operational issues we're facing today. It's a subject a lot of the public comment we're hearing today about unreliable service, whether that's missed service, late service, um, 
that January item identified uh, three or four different uh, tasks that staff are working on to remedy the issue. The, the, the largest is to uh, move forward with a, a service change proposal that'll help us um, really address some of the driver deficiencies and reliability issues. Uh, at our February meeting, we went through that service change proposal and asked your board to set the public hearing um, that we are having at today's meeting. Um, I will not be walking through in detail all the route by route changes. Um, I will be talking through some of the modifications we've made to that proposal, but all of those changes are included in attachment A of your board letter. Um, and I'm happy to, to ask or to uh, clarify any questions you may have. But a quick overview of the service change pr proposal. We are considering this a major service change per our service change policy. This is actually the first time in seven years we've done a major service change. So June of 2016 was the last time that we made changes on this scale. 12 of the 24 routes um, are affected in some way. Uh, we are now estimating overall it would be a decrease of 2.1%. So not a big service cut, but um, there, there would be a small reduction in revenue hours as part of this proposal. More importantly, it allows us to save uh, about 7.5% of our daily pullouts, uh, which equates to the number of drivers required to meet our pullout every morning. Um, so that's, that's one of the, the big benefits of, of what we're trying to achieve here is a greater use of our, our resources, both drivers and vehicles. What's um, a pullout? A pullout, uh, a, a vehicle pulling out from the yard in the morning. So the number of vehicles that, that we assign to the service every day. Thank you. Uh, the public hearing is today, uh, March 6th. And if approved at your April meeting, we plan to implement in June of this year. This slide shows the routes that are um, impacted as, as part of the service change proposal. Um, the table on the right there shows if we're proposing to increase or decrease either the route alignment or the frequency of service uh, or the, the span of service. And, and there are four routes we're proposing for cancellation and in their place, we are showing what the replacement services would be. So in some cases, this is more of a consolidation. In other cases, it is a direct replacement. And I do wanna point out that based on uh, the conversation and the feedback we've been having over the last month, staff is recommending a couple minor changes to the proposal we gave your board in February. The first change uh, is to preserve one of the northbound evening trips on the Route 22. This is in response to a lot of the comments we've been hearing about evening service, specifically to the College of Marin and specifically to target uh, classes that get out at 8.30 at night. Having a, a, a bus to support um, that trip at night is, is uh, the reason we're proposing to keep this 8.04 p.m. trip. The other uh, modif modification to the service change proposal is to extend select trips on the Route 257, uh, which is now going to become our primary Novato local route into Hamilton. So this would preserve the connectivity between the Hamilton neighborhood, Alameda del Prado, Ignacio, Sunset, and then uh, areas over to Vintage Oaks. Um, so those are two slight changes that have been incorporated into the analysis and are part of our current service change proposal. And attachment A does reflect those changes. 
So since uh, our last meeting, um, since you set the public hearing, staff have been working hard to um, do outreach and education for our riders and for the general public about what the service change proposal will be. I do want to credit Rodolfo Saldana, who is now our, our outreach coordinator, um, who really did a tremendous job helping us spread the word um, over the last 30 days or so. The first thing we did following your meeting, uh, your board meeting in February was we put out our uh, dedicated web page that highlights all the service changes. Um, we also posted two informational videos on that website, one in English, one in Spanish, that basically walks through route by route what the proposal was. Um, we held two community forums, one in English, one in Spanish, to help answer any questions we received um, from the public and offered an additional opportunity um, virtually to, to get feedback on the service change proposal. We attended a number of uh, stakeholder meetings, community meetings to help our partners understand what the proposal was and help us spread the word. Um, we did outreach at six of our highest ridership stops that would be impacted by the service change. We did um, six different days of, of outreach directly engaging with riders at the bus stop. Um, we, we had a whole digital uh, marketing and correspondence effort that included email, social media, our newsletters, your newsletters, our partners' newsletters. Um, we also posted uh, bus stop notices at over 100 bus stops um, and put in-vehicle notices in all the vehicles, notifying riders of the service change proposal. And I should mention that all of those efforts were done in both English and Spanish. This is a quick summary of the results. Uh, I'm not gonna go through each one in detail, but uh, as, a, as a quick summary, over 1200 views to our dedicated website. Uh, we engaged with over 350 passengers uh, during those six days out at the bus stops. We had about 40 stakeholder participants at our uh, in-person and virtual meetings. Uh, we had a, a very good uh, response to, to our uh, Facebook ads and, and uh, campaigns, over 6,000 views. Um, our online videos uh, were, were uh, not quite as popular as we'd hoped, but, and that should say 25 in English, 10 in Spanish. Um, and then we did send out uh, over 4,600 uh, emails and um, over 30 posts to social media in the last uh, 30 days. So during the last 30 days, we uh, opened our public comment period. Uh, we made a online form available. We also took comments directly through email and over the phone and at our virtual meetings. Um, prior to uh, this board, the original board packet being distributed last Wednesday, we had 57 total comments. Since that time, uh, 11 additional comments have come in and those are included as a supplemental. Um, of those 57, and I'm, I'm just going to reference the table here, not the additional 11 comments, um, 10 of those were not directly related to the proposal, uh, 40 of those were comments uh, against the proposal, and 7 of those were comments in support. And this table here shows kind of a breakdown route by route and um, based on the, the comment relating to the alignment change or the service change. I do wanna uh, point out here that the highest number, uh, 14 comments were received primarily regarding the change of taking the 219 out of the hills in Tiburon. And I will say that nine of the 14 of those uh, came in the last 24 hours before we put the packet uh, together. 
We also conducted a Title VI equity analysis um, to understand if the proposed service change would have a disparate impact on minority populations or a disproportionate burden on low-income uh, populations. This was done in accordance with uh, Title VI of the Civil Rights Act and the Executive Order 12898. Um, this relies on looking at um, where the changes are uh, proposed and the underlying populations that will be affected using U.S. Census data. <laughs> the full analysis is attached as attachment D to your packet. I'm not going to go through all the details, but the high-level results show that there were no disparate impact or disproportionate burden on low-income populations. We did go a step further in that Title VI analysis and actually look at and identify specifically at the neighborhood level where the changes would, would impact. And I, I do wanna go through each of these because I think it's important to understand. Um, starting with Manor and Fairfax, they'll actually see an expansion of all day service rather than just um, the 30 minute peak hour service we, we offer today. The canal neighborhood of San Rafael will see a slight decrease, so we're estimating a 5.8% decrease, and this is in the total number of trips that, that go through uh, the canal on, on the weekdays. The Hamilton neighborhood will see a small decrease, a reduction in weekday midday service. Areas of Larkspur and Corte Madera will see a reduction in the span of service in the evening hours. This is related to the Route 22 comments we've been receiving. Tiburon will see a decrease in service frequency and a reduction uh, or removal of service to the Tiburon Hills on those two morning and two afternoon trips. And then Paradise Drive in Corte Madera will actually see an expansion of service and see a new weekday peak hour service. So with that, I'll turn it back over to you, President Rice. All right, thank you, Robert. So I think we will go straight then to opening our public hearing to take comment, uh, any additional comment from members of the public and then bring it back here to the dais. All right, so with that, we will open our public hearing. Are there any members of the public here in the chambers who would like to make a comment on the proposed service changes? All right, yeah, come on out. Hi. Hi. Um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, um, Sullivan Nevada over by Ignacio and uh, that bus stop that's near the um, auto shop or whatever, that's been, that was destroyed a while back. So for us people that are older, when you're waiting for the bus, it's like, that's not a good place to be, you know, let's have a, you know, hat or, you know, you know, umbrella or whatever, you know? So I was wondering if it's possible if they'll, be able to fix that and get, rebuild that again. Cause the one across the street's okay. That's, has been all right, but that one's been messed up for a while, you know? Um, yeah, so, yeah. So the last thing I wanted to say, the thing I repeated earlier, and I wasn't sure if you got where I was coming from with it, that bus I was mentioning, that 101 that I was only going to San Rafael, you know? I was just mentioning about how, since they have all the other buses going, you know, coming back, from the city that, you know, that that way you would save money because you'll still have the bus, you'll still have the regular 101 going through the San Rafael anyway. And so I just want, I figured I'd save you some money that way anyway, you know, but um, the last thing I wanted to say was, um, uh, I was just wondering how 
So from what it says on the 49, you said you'll keep mostly the same service, but it'll just be during the day, the middle of the day where there's not gonna be much bus service, right? And the same with the 35 and 71 probably. We'll have we'll have Robert speak to that when we're done. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. And then we'll and we'll be talking about bus stops later. Can we get the cross street of the shelter on Ignacio that is in need of repair? Maybe if you can share that with me. Yeah. What what was the cross street of that bus shelter? The one that I'm trying to think it's you know, sir, you can tell Rodolfo yeah. right here. Oh, thank okay. you. Right. Just want to make sure we capture that. Thank yeah. you. All right. Um, public comment online, please. Yes. Uh, phone caller ending in 1402. Please unmute. Hello, James Holmes, Larchburg, served by the 22. It's been said that this is not a big service cut, but it is for Larchburg and Corte Madera. The change isn't just a rearrangement, it's a decapitation. It's the total loss of evening service, freezing transit-dependent residents in their homes at night. There was a reference to restoration of 805, and I don't know whether that's northbound or southbound. But in any event, based on the published uh, proposals, specifically, there will be zero southbound service from downtown Larkspur after 630, and worse still, zero northbound transit service from downtown Corte Madera after 714 p.m., this means a, a rider from San Francisco has to leave about 5.30 in order to transfer to the last 22. At the other end, incidentally, it would preclude jury service for Larkspur Transit-dependent riders because jurors can't be assured, I know from experience, of getting to the San Rafael Transit Center by 6 p.m., which would be the last 22. Uh, the spacing of the last runs uh, both ways means that you can't take, as a practical matter, the bus one way and then come back the other way. Uh, this uh, cut would just be the latest instance of transit withering away for downtown Larkspur and Corte Madera. First, we lost the 20, which was took the 22 route, but all the way to San Francisco. 22 is only hourly and stopped at Marin City, required transfer to San Francisco. Then we lost all commuter service, and now we would lose all uh, evening service, actually for the first time in 100 years, counting the trains. Surely this is a disproportionate impact to Larkspur and Corte de Madera. One key problem with the uh, northbound Evening 22 is that it quit connecting reliably with the northbound Golden Gate Transit bus, and a Marin Transit manager once told me that they couldn't force the uh, Golden the Marin Transit uh, driver to wait for the bus uh, from from San Francisco. So that would seem to be easily fixed. In any event, uh, the impact on Larkspur and Corte Madera is drastic and disproportionate, and I ask that it be reconsidered. Thank you. Thank you. Susan W., please unmute. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm highly concerned about the 49 in the North Gate area. Um, with uh, the 49 uh, would no longer um serve the north gate las galinas and the no nova albion las galinas stops in other words it would no longer make a loop around the smaller north gate shopping center area and that's a problem in that the 35 would replace 
the 49 in that area, but would not do any looping and would also go to the Tara Linda High School and carry students. Often the students take up all of the seats on the buses and the, the stop at Northgate Galenus is very highly used. So frequently enough, there are limited seats when the students are taking buses, walking and, and catching some of the other buses that I I'm kind of being a little hazy here, but the long and short is please, please do not cut out the 49 making that loop and serving the Northgate Galenus and the Nova Albion Las Galenus stops. There are all types of users that are catching the bus there and would be impacted with the students now riding the buses twice a day on the 35. And also, what about the pandemic? It still is going around the virus and we hear about students and, and we have elderly people and caregivers riding the bus, uh, riding, catching the bus in that area and the employees in the shopping areas and the thank hotel you, thank guests. You. Thank you, Susan. Colton Benedictson, please unmute. Yeah, um, so as far as the service changes, um, the route changes for the 22, which would make it no longer serve Strawberry Village, um, would severely impact the um, college run students that take that, um, that go on that route. Um, as myself and a number of people that I've met and see um, almost every weekday at those bus stops. Um, and if those, and um, some of them are older as well and would not be able to make the trek from um, Strawberry Village to the nearest stop because um, it, it's definitely a bit of a walk. It's going uphill and um, it's fairly, fairly severe. Um, and those proposed changes would severely impact um, that group. Um, and I would urge to not make that um, make that change. Pat Ravasio, please unmute. Hi, thank you all for your service. This is Pat Ravasio from Corte Madera. I'm calling about something that I that I actually wrote about, but I wanted you to know I was here and listening. Um, the connection to College of Marin from um, all of our communities, but especially from the canal community really concerns me. Um, I've met some students there recently. I take a swimming class and heard them saying that they were probably going to have to discontinue at least some of their classes if the changes went into place. And why that's important is because these are our underserved minority communities. The percentage of students at College of Marin who are minority students is that I think the most recent was 57%. 
And uh, the other factor that I look at is that the county voters have supported many capital improvements at College of Marin. So there's been a major investment there lately, and it feels a little like a ghost town. Enrollment is still down. And I think that um, Marin Transit by, if anything, beefing up services that go to College of Marin could really help on all of these factors, which are related to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I really think the College of Marin uh, transit service needs to be uh, supported as much as it can. I understand there's a shortage of drivers, but I don't understand why there's a shortage of drivers. If there are funds, we know transportation funds generally are available. Um, and why aren't we paying more and increasing benefits to attract more and better drivers? I guess I just don't understand why these cuts are taking place when our service has been so much um, uh, restored from the pandemic. Thank you very much. Eva, please unmute. Thanks. I really question the cuts to the canal. Um, that's That just seems really stark. And you're already dealing with people switching over to cars because they can't rely on public transit because public transit is so underfunded. And this is in no way any criticism of the drivers, um, but the drivers aren't being paid enough. Um, and as a previous caller pointed out, there is funding for this. It's a, it's a political decision not to increase benefits, but to cut benefits. Uh, you heard earlier from someone uh, who said that uh, break times are being, uh, are being reduced to 30 minutes, which is unacceptable for a driver, a public transport driver, because they really need rest um, so that they can, they can drive that vehicle safely um, and also cuts to benefits. These are, these are decisions, these are political decisions. Um, and, you know, especially when you see what has happened to working class neighborhoods and communities, when you see, uh, you know, people losing their homes because they've had to pinch pennies so much and they can't pinch them anymore. There has to be a way to refund this. There is the money. Um, there isn't the political will and the people who do have the political will don't have the power to change it. And I think you, you probably would have seen um, more callers um, today if there, had been, if there had been a sense that, that working class people were actually represented. And unfortunately, we see this over and over again where you know, people come in and, and advocate for something. And in the end, the decision is just uh, made to maintain the status quo. And uh, it has to be better, especially for something as vital as public trans transportation. There are no additional speakers in the queue. Thank you. All right. So we have one more speaker here in the chambers, please. Our last public speaker, I believe, for the public hearing portion of this. I live in Hamilton in Nevada, and I rely on the buses to take me everywhere. And there's also senior apartments there near the bus stop at um, Hamilton Theater. And those people often take the bus. I see them. So when you say you're cutting the 49 and 
other buses to Hamilton, does that mean in the middle of the day we're not going to have buses or they're going to be every hour instead of every half an hour? What exactly is happening? And we'll, we'll get responses after the public hearing. Thank you. All right, so with that, we are going to close the public hearing. I'm going to bring it back to staff. Um, if you could address the, you took in the comments, and I know some of them have already been addressed in terms of the changes you made, but also if you could run through the concerns that were expressed and how this is responsive, the service, the service changes are seeking to be responsive, but also if you could start off, Robert, with the why we are having to make these service changes and the variables that the data that you bring into consideration uh, in terms of making these adjustments. Sure. Um, so I, the two primary reasons, one, one is we are facing driver shortages and, and we're doing other things aside from just realigning and reallocating our service to address those. Your board over the last year has approved changes and amendments to every single one of our service contractors, increasing the wages directly for those drivers and operators and frontline staff. So we're doing other things as opposed, in addition to just looking at how our service is delivered. Um, but but this proposal is really an attempt to make a more efficient use of our resources. Um, the other the other change we're seeing is traffic. Traffic is is back to pre-pandemic conditions, and we're at the point now where because we don't have any competitive runtime advantage on our local streets, traffic impacts transit just like everyone else, and uh, we need to do a more holistic uh, service change to really address the runtime needs not only of the vehicle so, so they can be on time, but also so that driver gets the needed layover and break at the beginning and end of the route. One thing we talked a lot about at the January meeting. Um, I will also say that um, Golden Gate Transit has done a lot of changes during the pandemic. And, and while we try and coordinate every sign up with Golden Gate, um, now is our opportunity to really kind of holistically look at, at how our services are aligned primarily in that Highway 101 corridor. So with all the changes to the 130, the 150, the 101 that, that we've heard about over the years, we've tried to respond incrementally with changes to the 71, to the 35, to a lot of our other corridor routes. And this is that opportunity now to kind of reset so we do have better coordination in that 101 corridor and we aren't duplicating service and we're offering good transfer connections to the regional routes. Um, the final one here is we, we do look at performance. So we look at, at low ridership routes and while we tend to make those on an incremental basis, there are some proposals here that are specifically addressing low ridership. That, those late night Route 22 trips, we're seeing less than three passengers per trip on those routes. So staff's recommendation here is to cancel those trips. Um, also with the 219, the 219 is a route where you know, we are not seeing the, the ridership recovery like we're seeing with our other services. So um, as Nancy showed early on, we're 85% of pre-COVID uh, ridership levels that, that's gone as high as 90% in recent months. Route 219 is one that I think we're at 55% of pre-COVID levels. And if you looked at the quarterly performance report, it was actually the only route that declined in ridership compared to Q2 of last year. So we're not seeing a positive ridership trend on that route. So some of these recommendations are truly to target uh, underperforming services. So 
with that, um, I'll go ahead and start to step through some of the specific comments here. And if, if I didn't capture, um, please correct me. Um, we talked about the Ignacio, Ignacio bus stop. Route 101 is a Golden Gate transit route. So we do not directly um, schedule that, that service. We do coordinate with Golden Gate on their, on their corridor services, um, but that, that one is, um, is a regional service. Um, routes, I heard some, some comments about Route 49, 35, and 71 midday service frequency. I think the, the last uh, comment are also mentioned um, Route 49. So just to be clear, we are not making any proposed changes to Route 49 except, except extending that route in the northern portion to San Marin. So service frequency would remain every 30 minutes weekdays. Um, and then every 60 minutes on the weekends. So there would be no changes to Route 49. We're proposing to increase midday Route 71 service frequency to every 30 minutes. So right now um, we, we run that, that route once an hour um, and then some, some specific 30 minute uh, peak periods. The proposal is pretty much from five o'clock in the morning till about six o'clock at night to run that every 30 minutes, and then after six o'clock, go to an hourly frequency until midnight. And then Route 35 would be the same thing. We would preserve the service frequency. It would run every 30 minutes to Northgate, and then the loops we're doing in the canal would run every 15 minutes during the peak hour. So just to be clear, no changes. There was a reference to a reduction in midday service in Hamilton, and that's as a result of consolidating the Route 251 and 257. So right now, Route 251 ends in Hamilton, and Route 257 starts at IVC and goes through Hamilton. So in the middle of the day, there'd be one fewer trip per hour that would connect um, to the, the central Novato area. Route 22, a lot of comments uh, we heard about Route 22. And first off, let me address the late night proposal, just so everybody is clear right now, with, with the, the small modification to our proposal, just to be clear, the last southbound trip, weekdays and weekends would be uh, seven o'clock out of the San Rafael Transit Center, and that would get down to Marin City around eight o'clock. The last northbound trip, on the weekdays would be 8.04 p.m. and on weekends would be 9.01 p.m. ending back at the transit center approximately an hour later. So approximately nine o'clock on weekdays and 10 o'clock on weekends. So that is a reduction of, I believe it's two trips in the southbound direction and two trips in the northbound direction. Um, route 70, or I'm sorry, Route 49, um, just so the board is clear, Route 49 today through the Northgate area, um, after serving the Northgate stop on Las Colinas, goes to a stop we call Nova Albion in Las Colinas. It's behind the Safeway and then continues north to Novato on Freitas Parkway. Because Route 35 will now be ending service at that stop and will be serving that stop every 30 minutes, and in an attempt to speed up the Route 49 between Novato and the San Rafael Transit Center, we're proposing to eliminate that stop. Um, I don't have the exact distance. It's probably between a quarter mile and a half mile um, away from the uh, Northgate Mall stop. Um, but I should also mention that stops adjacent to that stop on Freitas Parkway and Nova Albion 
also have service on the 257 and the 245. So within that kind of two to three block area, we're going to have Route 35, Route 257, Route 245, and now Route 49 over at the um, Northgate Mall stop. So still quite a bit of service in that in that Northgate area. <clears throat> Route 22, um, I heard a concern about the connection from Strawberry to College of Marin. For those of you that have been on the board a while, this is a common um, concern. And I will say that, that this proposal does make that connection um, a bit more challenging in the northbound direction. So I, I believe the commenter said riders coming from Strawberry Village to go to College of Marin now are going to have to walk out to the bus pads at Tiburon uh, or Seminary in order to make the connection to the 22 northbound to go to College Marin. Um, that's, that, that is uh, a valid concern. Um, we don't see strong ridership, quite honestly, for, between those two uh, destinations, um, but, but there, is, um, there are certain riders that, that uh, will be impacted by this change. Route 29, um, I heard concerns about connectivity between the canal and uh, College Marin, and Route 29 today does provide uh, a direct connection between the canal and um, the Sir Francis Drake corridor. <clears throat> three trips in the morning, three trips in the afternoon, just weekdays, just during the peak hour. Riders are now going to have to make that connection at San Rafael. So it uh, will require, right now, the 29 leaves at 6 after the hour. It'll require those riders to either connect at the top of the hour or the bottom of the hour. So either make a connection from the 35 to the 22 or the 35 to the 228 in order to go to College of Marin. So the overall runtime difference is, is probably five to six minutes because of the transfer connection. Service frequency in the canal, as, as we noted in the presentation, um, there is about a 5% reduction in the total number of trips within the canal. Um, and, and just to kind of give you a sense, and I, I think these numbers are pretty accurate, today we run 115 trips per day through the canal. And during the weekday peak hours, uh, it's every eight to 10 minutes, you can get a bus that will connect you from the canal to uh, the San Rafael Transit Center excuse me, to then make connections um, to other destinations uh, across the county. The reduction here is targeted primarily during the peak hours because of the reduction in those 645 trips. Um, again, this is, this is an area where that requires additional drivers, additional vehicles to add more and more service to that peak hour. Um, so in total, I think we see a reduction of about seven trips throughout the course of the day. Um, and then I think the last comment was was related to the Route 49 um, cut uh, that I addressed earlier for um, the Hamilton neighborhood. Robert, that was very thorough. Thank you very much. And then just one more thing on the driver shortage um, issue. That is industry-wide. Uh, um, all transit agencies are having a really a, a really tough time in terms of staffing. And I appreciate the work that Merton Transit's done to with our contracts and with our service to try to make us as attractive as possible. So questions from board members or comments? Yeah, uh, Director Lucan. 
Uh, thank you, Robert. I really appreciate uh, all, all of the uh, response you gave here. A question related to 251-257. At the very start of your presentation, you mentioned in attachment A, there was a slight change to that. Is mm -hmm. that correct? I'm trying to understand exactly what that is. Yeah, uh, good question. So um, the 257, um, I think if we have a slide here to share, um, Route 257, the, the, the proposal for, for that route um, is to serve uh, downtown Novato out to Vintage Oaks and then to come through uh, central Novato um, down Sunset, Ignacio, and eventually continue south all the way to the San Rafael Transit Center. So that's the primary alignment. That's a new uh, one-seat ride between downtown Novato, the transit center, and destinations in the Northgate area. In the original proposal, every half an hour, we were going to add service only on the Novato portion of that route, primarily to support the school demands. Mm -hmm. um, and the proposal was, after it served Almeda Del Prado, to go down to the Marinwood bus pad, turn the bus around, and then come back north again into Novato. Um, the rec what we're changing on that alignment is for those trips that we run every half an hour, we're going to extend it out to Hamilton and actually terminate it now at the Hamilton Theater. So it would provide an opportunity for the Hamilton neighborhood to connect into uh, kind of that Alameda Del Prado Ignacio area. Gotcha. And that would also give you a connection between potentially the Hamilton Smart Station and the IVC campus. Correct. Gotcha. So I, I think um, maybe some of the comments we heard on attachment A, if I'm reading, seeing this correctly, there is wording that says continue to serve current 251 Hamilton stops on new route 257 during weekday peak hours and weekends. Yeah. But the, the graphic, the image that's shown still shows it as a removed service. Right. Good. Yeah. Good. So catch. I, that, that may have been why we've because uh, I had the same question. So I don't know if we will have an updated graphic, but you're telling me that that little that little loop that goes into Hamilton on the image on the right will be served. It will be served weekends and then during the peak hours on peak weekdays. Hours. Oh, OK. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, correct. We did update the text, but the figure did not get up. Gotcha. That, I think that will actually address a lot of the um, I mean, I read. I, I don't know how you take all of these comments and be able to turn them into something that's actionable. It's it's absolutely incredible what you're able to do, but I think this would address a lot of the ones that I caught uh, reading through some of those responses. So thank you for that. Thank you. All right. Yeah, uh, Super or Director Casisa. Almost got a promotion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the, the reduction uh, in the canal area, is that due to low ridership? Is it due to efficiency? What's kind of the... Uh, at a high level, what's the rationale behind that? Yeah, it, it's primarily efficiency, making use of those those drivers in the most efficient way possible. Now, having that level of service frequency in the canal means we have a lot of capacity too. So while ridership is high, we're still going to have a lot of capacity to serve those riders. And then on the 22, um, you mentioned, I think, northbound on the Strawberry area. I think that part is being eliminated people would have to use the bus pads off the freeway. Do you have any data on that? How many people are affected? Because I think before you mentioned, I'm sorry, I'm going to switch gears, the 22 through Corte Madera at nighttime said there's only about three people using it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any data on the, on the strawberry side, how many people that's going to affect? We do have that data. I don't have it in okay. front of me, but, but that's something we can bring back to your board uh, for the April meeting. Okay, if you don't mind, I just wonder if it's, again, low ridership or if it's affecting... Uh, 
greater number of people. Yeah, I, I think it's also important to note that Route 36 will continue to serve Strawberry Village, and Route 36 connects to Marin City, <clears throat> and then it serves all the bus pads up to San Rafael Transit Center and into the canal. So riders will still be able to make that connection. I think really the big impact here, which the uh, caller earlier stated, is for those riders that are then traveling into Larkspur, into College of Marin, uh, and destinations kind of to the west on Route 22. Okay. And just one last question. I think that this was touched upon already, but because um, it was kind of mentioned a couple of comments that there's a lot of transit money out there, which that might be true, but it still is trying to get bus drivers, right? So the money, it's... It's two separate things in a lot of cases. Yeah, good good point. We we are not doing this for financial reasons. Right. Okay. Thanks. Yep. Uh, Director Milton Peters. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Thanks for delving into the two nineteen a little more uh, because I I saw the report, the quarterly report, and I saw that the ridership has declined since last year, and that's significant. Uh, but my question goes to, I, I understand eliminating the hillside runs, uh, which were a discretionary thing we added several years ago when we had more drivers and more riders going to the city. And we don't have either at this point, uh, very many. But it's the service frequency for the 219, just up and down Tiburon Boulevard. And I'm wondering if that's something we could revisit. Because uh, changing from 20 to 30 minute headways to 35 to 45 minute headways, that it, during the commute hour is significant, I think. Yeah. Um, so the, the and and it's a little more complicated th yeah. than this, but but right now we we basically allocate two drivers to the 219, and then we allocate two drivers to the 619. So we do have this supplemental transit route um, that serves the Tiburon community that connects to Redwood High School. Um, I should have also put that in the analysis, but that route does provide transit service up and down the pub, up and down Tiburon Boulevard to the general public. So on school days, there is a little bit more service out there than what's being delivered with the 219. The proposal to both eliminate the alignment to the hills and to reduce the service frequency is really taking that from a two driver to a single driver route. Um, and the service frequency then is really dependent upon traffic conditions. So that's where the reduction in service frequency comes from is, is really better understanding the traffic conditions and, and you know, some of the, the um, analysis we've done since COVID uh, has suggested that we need to go back and look at run times, um, but also eliminating that, that driver just gives us fewer uh, resources to allocate to the yeah. service. Well, that's important what you just shared about the supplemental service for schools, which I forgot about. So maybe there's a way to come back and show how the service interlaces with each other, just in terms of time, mm -hmm. so that we can see that there's coverage uh, during mm -hmm. commute times. I don't know if there's room on the buses, but at least there's coverage. Um, and, and I also just wanted to comment that I think it's important for us to keep in mind that what, what you've been saying about efficiency the trade-off is to have greater reliability with the drivers that we do have, right? So we're going to have greater uh, security for our public that the buses will show up when they say we will, when we say they will. Uh, and they may have to trade off a little bit on timing or making a transfer. But but I, I think that's where we are at this point. So I would just encourage us to say that. Thank you. Director Sackett? Yeah. So first, thank you to Rodolfo and Robert and all the team for the public engagement. Um, those comments, I think, were really helpful. 
the writers know the nuances of these roots in a way that it's hard for us to understand. So I really appreciate that um, there was a lot of it's a lot of public comment both today and um, as part of the packet. Um, I just want to touch on the number four or 49, the elimination of that Nova Albion Las Galinas stop. And if we have, um, was there a decline in use of that stop? I'm I'm concerned in part because there is a lot of multifamily housing there. I would guess the walk to the Northgate stop would be closer to a half mile than a quarter mile. Um, and 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 I did hear you say that there was other service, other routes that will potentially service that site. But if you could speak to um, if there's a decline in use of that stop, yeah. I, again, I don't have the exact number. I will say that there is strong ridership from that stop. So um, you know the the recommendation to abandon that stop on the forty nine was largely because of the added service we're we're giving that stop on the thirty five. Now keep in mind the thirty five will not continue north to Novato, so um, you know that that kind of swap uh, is really just going to serve the market between San Rafael Transit Center and um, and Terra Linda. Um, Again, the, the recommendation, the reason we're proposing to remove that is to really speed up that 49. For those riders now that may be coming all the way from San Marin, all the way from the north in Novato, um, we still have, you know, most majority of our riders that really want to get to San Rafael. They want to get there for connections to the other buses. They want to get there for destinations in San Rafael. Um, so that was that's what led to the recommendation. Um, we can we can go back and, and and look at that piece to see if there is a desire to keep that stop and that routing, um, what the impacts would be as part of our final recommendation. I guess it says to me is it's also like the number of riders that are coming from Novato, if that's the majority of them, um, and then how many will not be serviced by the elimination of that stop. Um having a better understanding of that would be helpful. So two other quick comments. You mentioned, Robert, at the very beginning of your presentation, maybe I misheard you, but I thought you said the last College of Marin route would be at 8.30 or would be at 8.03, but to meet classes that go till 8.30. Did I hear that right? Yeah. So that's the departure from Marin City. So not from College Marin. Okay. Yeah. So and then I, I don't think that this isn't part of the service changes, but it does come up in a lot of the comments, and that's the service to Kaiser at Los Gamos. And I think, you know, that facility is seeing a ton more use. Um, and really, the we had so much focus on the Kaiser, the other Kaiser in Terra Linda. Um, you know, I'll say as a family of four, I haven't been to the old one in probably a year, but have been to the new one quite a bit. And I know we've talked about this being a dead end street, so it makes it more difficult for transit. Um, but I think we need to continue to look at that Los Gamos service and and both for employees, but for a lot of people who are going to have to use that um, for health care. And then just as you may have read, but, you know, in the next Three years probably we'll have 192 new units of apartments at the end of that street across from the Y that will, you know, hopefully at that point we can really step up service, but just wanting to um, keep that front and center, though I know it's not part of this project. Thanks.
So, so yeah, um, Robert, <laughs> why don't you go ahead and, and let's talk a little bit about the, the stop at um, Kaiser Los Gamos. Um, just the fact that we, we have been working with the, the county and the city and um, Kaiser on that stop. And Robert, you want to fill in the details there a little bit? Sure. Um, I guess we were, we were hoping as part of the Kaiser improvements at that intersection that a bus stop would have been added to the intersection so we could have served it with our 245. So that's the intersection with the 101? No. no. Los Gamos and, and Lucas Valley Road. Oh. So that's um, that's been our proposal for, you know, as, as you're well aware, the county office has relocated there some years ago, which really increased the level of activity. Um, and then with the Kaiser project going in the, you know, there was language in the draft environmental to coordinate on transit improvements and add a bus stop. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, we have, um, we've done a design, a preliminary engineering design and a cost estimate. And we've had discussions with both the city and the county and Kaiser about how we could move forward with that project. So it is important. It's not the first time we've heard that request. Unfortunately, um, like you mentioned, unless we go down the dead end of Los Gamos and we've actually taken buses out there to test where we could turn around, there just isn't a good place to turn around. And you know, there's currently no bus stop right now. Our desire is to um, have the stop out at the intersection, the signalized intersection, and to allow the 245 to serve that location. Let's add into that conversation the developer of the new project as well. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Robert. Appreciate the presentation. You certainly are very thorough today, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that Route 22, you extending the nighttime trip to College of Marin. I think that really addresses some of the issues that I've been hearing. And then I guess I wanted to question you a little bit on Route 29, but actually you answered most of my questions. It really was about additional service that's in the canal, because I think while we look at this one one page, it looks like it's pretty severe, but understanding the total service that's in the area already that you described and the frequency of service and really understanding that this is a four or five minute change, um, it, it makes me feel much more comfortable about that. But I know we heard a lot about the canal and, and I think that, you know, we're all concerned about what impacts this would have on our, our riders that have to use transit. But I'm really happy today that, that uh, the presentation and the detail you went into to help me explain explain the impacts in particular in the canal of Santa Fe. So thank you. Director Moulton-Peters. Just uh, following up on Commissioner Sackett's question, wouldn't it be possible for us to locate a temporary stop somewhere in the Los Gamos parking lot with the county offices? I mean, we, we had them in a parking lot for the Muirwood shuttle. And uh, anyway, I just offer that as a stopgap that just run the bus through the parking lot somehow or turn it around in there. So anyway, two cents, temporary solution. <laughs> All right. And Robert, you're either have explored that or you're going to explore that. We, we've explored that um, and we've taken buses through there. In, in addition to, to citing a, a bus stop, it is added runtime. So the deviation off Lucas Valley, it's not a lot. Um, but you know, it is, it is, um, our run, our schedules are sensitive to those, those types of added, uh, deviations. So, um, but we can, we can go back and look at that again. Yeah. 
I think we gotta we gotta move on the permanent solution too. So, um, any other any other comments questions? So I, the only thing I would add and thank you, Director Sackett, for bringing up Los Gamos because I was hoping we'd been paying attention then or were, but and and you guys are on it. Um, I just to that I'm looking at the map that Transit Connect the Transit Connect serves and it includes the Los Gamos area, correct? And did I hear earlier in the in the morning that basically uh, that the Transit Connect service is a little bit undersubscribed? Do we have capacity there? We do currently, yes. Right, and I, I think, and I'm thinking of an earlier public speaker who mentioned having to walk over from the bus pad on 101. Um, anyway, I'm looking at the map for Transit Connect, which goes down as far as, what is that, south of Corte Madera, mm -hmm. uh, up to well north of, of Novato. So um, I want to encourage folks to take advantage of that Transit Connect and maybe we need to work a little harder on getting that word out as well. And maybe that's something we can share with Kaiser um, up at Los Gamos uh, in terms of pushing that information out to their, to their um, clients. Um, and then just lastly, I just really appreciate Robert um, and the team. You know, we, this is a, this is a, transit agency that is very focused on its transit dependent. And then in terms of being a good fiscal steward and making sure that the, our transit dollars go as far as they can in terms of providing the best uh, service possible that we can with the transit dollars that we have. So I appreciate your work. And I think that um, you have taken into consideration pretty much uh, everything that the public brought up and more uh, and that no decisions are made lightly. Um, and, and it's not to be dismissive either of those cuts that are made that do impact. It may only be a handful of riders, but it, it is, and that may only be, you know, a fraction, fraction of our total ridership, but it, it is impactful to those riders. And um, I think we acknowledge that. So, um, so with that, I would be looking for a motion to excuse uh, me, President oh. Rice. We have an additional raised hand in the queue. I, we close the public okay. hearing. Okay, thank then. you, though. All right, so I'd be looking for a motion to approve the proposed service changes. I can find my agenda. Oh, you took it. No, we had it. Okay, no. is, that, is that you, Director Moulton Peters? Make that motion. Uh, so, yeah, President President Rice, it's actually just the action you're taking today is just to close the public comment period and to accept the comments. Oh, really? Yeah. You, next next meeting, we'll bring the final changes back to you, incorporating what we've been hearing. Okay. And so we'll bring it back to you. All right. Okay. So that's a motion to accept the public hearing. Yep. Do we have a second? Second. Um, second, Lucan. And um, can we have a roll call, please? Yes. One moment. President Rice, how do you vote? Yes. Second Vice President Lucan? Yes. Director Moulton Peters? Yes. Director Rodoni? Yes. Director Sackett? Yes. Director Casisa? Yes. Thank you, that matter carries. All right, and thank you all. So now we're on to item seven, and this is the fiscal 21-22 revenue vehicle fuel analysis. Yes. Um, Anna Penoyer is going to present this item and um, just it's it's new actually for our board. We don't usually dive into the fuel that much. And so here we are. Uh, we're going to try to present to you some of the complexities with introducing new fuel types and the variety of fuels that we use and the different kind of vehicles that we use. So Anna's done an analysis and we'll present that here. 
Good morning, Board of Directors, President Rice. I'm Anna Penoyer, Capital Projects Manager at Marin Transit. Item number seven in your agenda is a report on Marin Transit's fiscal year 2021-22 fuel analysis. I will say that following a public hearing is a tough act to follow, but <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, next slide, please. Today, we're going to go through some background information and then discuss the cost of fuel, cost to operate buses per mile, vehicle fuel efficiency, greenhouse gas emissions, and finally, we'll delve into some fuel projections for the future. Next slide. Um, so why do we look at fuel? The biggest reason is because it makes up a large portion of our operating budget. In fiscal year 21-22, Marin Transit spent $2.9 million on fueling our vehicles, and therefore those changes in fuel prices can cause significant impacts to Marin Transit. Because of this, we look at this data every year to monitor price fluctuations, as well as understand consumption of different vehicle types. This data is also submitted annually to the Federal Transit, Federal Transit Administration through our NTD reporting. Next slide. So this slide shows a chart of all of our different vehicle types that Marin Transit operates. It's also included as attachment B to this item in your packet. I'll run through it quickly. Our first, in the first row is our hybrid vehicles. This makes up the majority of our fleet um, and they're used in fixed route local service and operated by both Golden Gate Transit and Marin Airporter. The second row is our battery electric buses. We have two BYD battery electric buses operated by Golden Gate Transit and four Gillig battery electric buses that will be entering service soon and will be operated by Marin Airporter. MV Transportation operates our high floor narrow bodied XHFs, which are specialized for rural service. And those are in the third row down. Um, the next row down is our shuttle cutaways operated by Marin Airporter. And finally, in the last two rows are our paratransit cutaways and vans, which are operated by TransDev. Next slide. Uh, this slide shows the method of fueling, uh, which varies based on fuel type and contractor. Uh, I'll talk more about this in later slides, but here's a snapshot of what's going on at our different contractors. Uh, next slide. So this graph on the right shows the average fuel prices that Marin Transit has paid for fuel over the past six years. Unleaded gasoline is shown in the darker green line and diesel fuel is in the lime green. Fuel prices for both gasoline and diesel have overall increased uh, with dips in each related to the pandemic when fewer people were traveling and there was less demand for fuel. Marin Transit looked at the five-year trend from fiscal years 2017 to 2021, which is the period before the thin vertical line in the graph. Um, and for this five-year period, the net increase for diesel was 10% and gasoline increased by 20%. In contrast to that, over the period we examined, which is fiscal year, or which is from July 2021 to June 2022, um, and those monthly 
values are not shown on this chart, but we will see them in future slides. Um, the diesel prices increased by 80% and gasoline increased by 42%. So that was a very large increase over the period. Next slide. Um, now we're going to take a look at monthly average fuel prices by contractor. First, we'll look at unleaded gasoline. Uh, Marin Transit and the County of Marin have an agreement for fueling vehicles at the County Fuel Island. Uh, so the majority of our unleaded gasoline vehicles are fueled there. Marin Airporter, uh, who operates the fixed route shuttles, and Transdev, who operates our paratransit and Marin Access Services, both fuel vehicles there. The average prices for the county are shown in the green line in this graph. Um, and then MV Transportation uses commercial pumps for their two gasoline-powered vehicles, um, and those pumps are more convenient for their routes. Uh, their average fuel prices are shown in the lighter green color, and while MV is paying a higher price for fuel at the, at the commercial pumps, they're saving an operator cost by taking those vehicles to a convenient location. Next slide. This slide shows a graph of monthly average fuel prices for diesel fuel by contractor. The two lower lines are Marin. They're a little hard to distinguish in color, um, but Marin Airporter is in green and Golden Gate Transit is in blue. Their prices are very similar over the period. Both of these contractors have the ability to store fuel on their site and benefit from that to get more competitive prices for fuel. MV Transportation, in contrast, parks their vehicles up at 600 Rush Landing, where there's no ability to store fuel. Um, they have a contract for wet fueling, uh, which means that a truck comes to their site to refuel the vehicles. The service is more expensive, but again, allows the contractors to not have to transport the vehicles elsewhere, um, so that's saving on operator costs. Next slide. So here's where it gets a little bit complicated when we talk about electricity. Um, this is because it depends largely on electric rate structure, which is unique, definitely different from our traditional fuels. Um, so I'm going to attempt to describe demand charges. Um, and if you have any questions, I'll try to clarify at the end. Um, but so electricity charges are subject to demand charges, and those are incurred based on the highest amount of energy pulled at any given moment during the billing period. So if the buses are charged once a month, there's a demand charge fee placed on the utility bill no matter how many times the vehicles traveled and no matter how many times the vehicles are charged. Um, the cost for this is high, and over the period from July 2021 to June 2022, this charge accounted for 85% of each month's utility cost. Um, because, electri because electricity rates are structured this way, Marin Transit deliberately chose to charge its battery electric vehicles slowly and overnight when demand charges are less in hopes of decreasing the impact of these charges. 
Um, due to this structure, the more miles the vehicle travels in a month, the demand charge is spread across more miles and the cost per mile decreases. So over this period, there was not much variation in miles traveled and the cost to operate per mile was relatively stable at $1.63 per mile. Um, and this figure is um, mostly for the, it's for the two BYD battery electric buses, which we charge at Golden Gate Transit's yard. These buses were initially purchased as a pilot project and their charges are not submetered from Golden Gate Transit's facility. So we are therefore under the same electric rate structure as Golden Gate Transit's facility. Um, when our four electric Gillicks enter service, which is soon, um, they are going to be charged at Rush Landing, uh, where there is a new meter located just for electric buses, and they will be participating in PG&E's EV fleet rate program. This program replaces the demand charges with an energy subscription fee and then a higher cost per each kilowatt hour used. Uh, this rate structure will allow for a more predictable cost, and Marin Transit projects that the cost to operate the electric buses at Rush Landing will be less. The chart on the right shows the average cost per mile for each of Marin Transit's vehicle types, including the electric buses currently in service and the projected cost for the additional electric buses. Um, next slide. Uh, so this graph on the right shows vehicle fuel efficiency by vehicle type. And so you'll notice that while it costs more to fuel the electric buses than the rest of our fleet, they're still the most energy efficient buses. They average 18.76 miles per diesel gallon equivalent. Um, and after that, in general, the smaller vehicles are the more fuel efficient. Though, of course, there's the trade-off that the smaller vehicles can carry less passengers. Um, the XHFs, which are specialized for our West Marin service, are the least fuel efficient of our vehicles. Next slide. Um, so next, staff looked at greenhouse gas emissions. Public transportation, as we know, displaces emissions by passengers choosing to ride the bus instead of riding in single occupancy vehicles. Marin Transit calculated displaced emissions using the American Public Transportation Association's recommended practice for, for this um, and by using our ridership data from fiscal year 2022. It assumes that one third of fixed route passengers would otherwise ride in their own personal vehicle. We calculated our tailpipe emissions based on the actual engines of the vehicles um, and how far they traveled. Uh, using emission standards from the California Air Resources Board. Um, so net Marin Transit's tailpipe emissions were 778 tons of CO2, and we anticipate that this number will decrease as our fleets are replaced with newer engines and as we purchase more zero-emission vehicles and as our four new ones get on the street. Um, next slide. Finally, I'll talk a little bit about fuel projections. As we analyze the previous year's data, we're also looking ahead to the future. 
The U.S. Energy Information Administration predicts that gasoline and diesel will prices will decrease over the next year, and Marin Transit is already seeing these decreases in fuel prices. We also anticipate that electric Electricity costs will be less for the vehicles charged at rush landing due to the EV rate structure. Next slide. Um, that concludes my report. I'd also like to acknowledge my colleague, Grizel Martinez, for all her help to compile a lot of data mm -hmm. that went into this analysis. Um, and with that, I'm happy to answer any questions. All right, thank you, Anne. That was very interesting. Questions, uh, Director Lucan. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for this, Anna. This is really phenomenal. I think gives us a lot of really good information that we need, um, in particular with the electric bus charging rates. Um, I really have two takeaways from that. Obviously, if we have more buses, more buses in service, more buses being charged, then we'll see that rate continually come down because of how the rate structure is. Uh, but number two, the demand structure or the demand charge structure, I think really is ridiculous uh, given our use case. Um, and I think that arms us with what we need to go talk to the right people we, we can on our side is figure out how do we bring that down? Because I look at it, we're probably paying about a, a dollar per kilowatt hour to charge. Or do we do we know how much we pay per kilowatt hour? I I can get that information to you, but I don't know off the top yeah. of my head now. But I think your, your stat there that 85% of it is that, that demand charge. Um, I, I we might have some work to do on our side with with folks that we can talk to. Um, I don't know if anything could be done, but it it definitely um, ra raised a bit of a red flag. Yeah, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Can can we um, maybe get some comparison with other uh, other individuals that have these electric buses that maybe have smaller fleets like we do, and get an idea of what they're paying per kilowatt hour for charging? Yeah, we can definitely look into that. Um, and also, as our fleet grows, there are opportunities to do um, more managed charging options, which includes getting software and programming complex things to reduce that demand charge so that we still get the, um, our bus is charged every day, but there's less pull on the meter, on the, on the meter, I guess. Um, and so the demand charge is um, mitigated that way as well. Um, That's great. I, I think what you're doing at, at Rush Landing is is great to bring that down, but I certainly have some questions for Golden Gate Transit in terms of the current deal we have. So thank you. And just a quick follow-up to that, Anna. So um, if, if I heard you correctly too, we pull at a slower rate in order to achieve a lower cost Yes. And frankly, if the more buses we have and potentially not necessarily a charger for every bus, we'd probably like to be pulling faster and charging, taking less time to charge buses. So I think that's that's another variable there. Um, I'm going to suggest, if you have not already, to reach out to MCE Clean Energy as a resource uh, as we research this and also start to frame some legislative advocacy. Yeah. Any other questions? Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for bringing this to us, uh, for the data dive and for uh, bringing this to us. Uh, and the only thing else I would request is I don't know to what degree transit fleets, um, how much progress has been made on uh, green hydrogen, um, but obviously we probably have to be watching that ball as well. All yes. right. Thank you, Anne. <laughs>
There's no action on that item. Oh no, we can take public comment though. Yeah. So public comment on this item, the vehicle fuel analysis. Anybody here in the chambers? See no one, uh, anyone online? Um, I see no one on Zoom with raised hands. Thank All right, you. thank you very much. So now we're on to our last item, which is an update on Marin County bus stops. Yes, um, and President Rice, it, it is an information item. We can carry it over if you need to. Um, it, we're getting close to the concluding hour. I just want to check, do a time check if uh, we're, we're for okay. Time? You, okay. How long are we, is this going to go? Uh, probably about 10 minutes. Are we good to go? Okay. Let's let's keep it on the agenda. Okay, great. Anna's going to go through this one too on our, our um, bus stops. Uh, you may recall the board had asked us to come back with a, a report on this, and um, we're we're here to to let you know what we're doing. Um. Good morning again, Board of Directors, President Rice. I'm still Anna Penoyer. <laughs> Capital Projects Manager for Marin Transit. Item number eight in your board packet is a report on Marin Transit bus stops. Next slide. So for this presentation, we'll go over some background information and then review some past bus stop improvement successes, followed by current and future projects, and then we'll touch upon bus stop maintenance. Next slide. Somewhere in Transit last conducted a bus stop conditions assessment in 2017. This project surveyed all of the stops that Marin Transit served at the time. A ride check was also conducted in 2017, which gave us the ridership data that we still use. Uh, since that time, we have obviously experienced route changes and changes to ridership. However, Marin Transit believes that ridership designation for high usage, medium usage, or basic stops remains largely unchanged. One big change, however, is the distribution of local-only bus stops to stops shared with Golden Gate Regional Transit routes. Um, prior to the pandemic, the number of shared stops was almost equal to the number of local only stops, whereas now Golden Gate Transit has reduced service and most stops in the county are currently local only. Next slide. So this is a chart of Marin Transit's bus stop standards. Um, this is also shown in your packet. Uh, most of the criteria is largely based on ridership. So high ridership stops, see passengers of see over a hundred passengers a day. Medium use stops are over 50 passengers a day, and low use bus stops are under 50 passengers a day. And the bottom row of that chart shows how many stops apply to each of those categories. Uh, next slide. So now I'll run through quickly some of our past bus stop improvement projects that we've had over the past 10 years, starting with bus, the bus stop signage update in 2013. Uh, we replaced signs in the county from the generic bus stop lollipop seen on the left to signs with lots of information, including route, direction, and stop ID. The stop ID in particular helps riders to get real-time information online and helps customer service to identify exact location of a passenger who's seeking help. Next slide. 
Also in 2013, we completed the South Novato Bus Stop Improvements Project, where we added a stop to improve transfer, transfers between local and regional service, and we made a lot of pedestrian improvements um, to access bus stops and the area in general um, to make it safer. Next slide. In 2015, we completed phase one of the state of good repair bus stop improvement projects. These were focused on accessibility and amenity improvements. On the left, you can see a new bus pad that we poured at not complete, those holes are filled in, um, at Strawberry Village. And on the right, you'll probably recognize that area as in front of the Civic Center where we improved the pedestrian crossing um, between those two stops there. Next slide. In 2017, Marin Transit completed a major capital project, the Redwood and Grant Transit Improvement Project. This aligns stops in the median of Redwood Boulevard in Novato to be on a single platform. The goal here was to improve connections between regional and local service and to improve passenger safety. Next slide. In 2019, Marin Transit completed phase two of the State of Good Repair Bus Stop Improvements Project, which again made accessibility and amenity improvements to an additional 14 stops throughout the county. Um, here's some examples here at Red Hill Avenue and Sequoia in San Anselmo and at Mission Avenue Mary Street in San Rafael. Next slide. In 2020, Marin Transit installed 18 solar-powered real-time signs throughout the county. These signs display real-time real-time transit departure information from the regional 511 data feed. This is the same information that displays on Google Maps, the Transit Mobile app, and on Marin Transit Marin Transit's website. Next slide. Um, currently, Marin Transit is finalizing plans to, an improve, to improve an additional 23 stops. Uh, these, again, include the addition of ADA landing pads to make stops accessible and to make upgrades to passenger amenities. Uh, notably, the project also includes an addition of three new bus stops. One of these will be in the Canal District of San Rafael providing passengers with a drop-off location at the beginning of the canal loop, um, which will decrease travel time for passengers um, who live or whose final destination is closer to Medway. Um, that's on the graphic on the upper right-hand side for reference. Um, and then the other two stops will be paired um, and will serve Marin Community Clinics in Novato. Next slide. Uh, Marin Transit is also working with the city of Novato to replace some of their advertising shelters. These shelters were previously under contract through the city of Novato with an advertising company which puts up ads um, and they did the maintenance there. These shelters are currently out of contract, are extremely difficult to maintain, and have fallen into disrepair. Uh, Marin Transit uh, will be giving the city some low-maintenance shelters for the locations where ridership merits, 
and is re recommending to the city that they remove the remaining remaining shelters. Next slide. Uh, for future projects, Marin Transit was recently awarded OBAG funds to do transit corridor improvements on three corridors on South Nevada Boulevard in Nevada, Lincoln Ave in San Rafael and 4th Street in San Rafael. This project is still being scoped, uh, but will include bus stop improvements, transit priority improvements, and improved passenger information. Next slide. Finally, I'll talk a little bit about bus stop maintenance, uh, which happens in a variety of different ways and is complex because there's a lot of stakeholders in bus stops, the jurisdictions where the bus stops reside, um, Marin Transit and Golden Gate Transit, and there's other contracts as well. Um, so it can get pretty complicated when Marin Transit receives complaints, it often requires uh, some research by staff. So also regular stop maintenance generally only occurs at stops with trash cans. Um, and then other stops are maintained as we get reports of issues from passengers or drivers. So firstly, there are some advertising contracts. Um, the city of San Rafael holds a contract uh, with an advertising company and that company does the maintenance for those shelters. Golden Gate Transit also has a contract for advertising shelters along the bus pads on 101. Um, and those are maintained through Golden Gate Transit, but by a different contractor. And then as mentioned previously, the city of Novato used to have a contract for advertising shelters excuse me, for advertising shelters. Um, that contract again has lapsed and we have been working actively with the city to figure out maintenance solutions for those locations. Um, and in the meantime, the city has taken over maintenance. Um, next, Marin Transit has, through Marin Transit's operations and maintenance agreement, with Golden Gate Transit, they provide maintenance at shared stops and shop and stops where they operate service on our behalf. Um, finally, Marin Transit has no maintenance staff directly, but holds a contract for regular bus stop maintenance at five stops and at Redwood and Grant. Um, and we also have an agreement with the Downtown Streets team for additional stop maintenance support at Redwood and Grant. And actually, finally, <laughs> Um, many cities hold contracts for trash pickup at their public trash cans, uh, including trash at bus stops. Next slide. And so that concludes my presentation, and I'm happy to answer any additional questions. Great. Excellent presentation and overview. Status of our stops. Yes, Director Casisa. Uh, yeah, on the um, upcoming improvements to bus stops, are those going to include the real-time signs? Or is that, was that just for 18 or so that you mentioned? Um, we will likely continue to roll out real-time signs, but that is not currently included in that project that I mentioned. In the transit corridor project, I think we will be looking at real-time information for those corridors. Okay. And then are those stops, do those signs also indicate if buses, I assume, are delayed or canceled? Or is it just, what kind of messaging is in there? Do you just give a quick... Yeah, I might have to throw that to 
So, so those signs broadcast real-time transit information. So it's it's just going to say basically the next estimated arrival of the bus is on route. So if a bus has been canceled, it shouldn't be giving a prediction at the route, but it's not going to specifically tell the passenger this trip has been canceled. Okay. We also do use those signs to um, to give rider messaging. So right now we have a message on all the real-time signs that's advertising the, the service change proposal. And we can also do custom messages per sign um, on, on um, yeah, on those devices. Okay, is that messaging in English and Spanish? It, it's whatever we put in. We typically do uh, an English and a Spanish message. We are limited to characters. So oftentimes it's a very short message, but it gives us some opportunity to communicate to riders. Okay, thanks. Director Lucan. Um, first, I just want to commend Marin Transit staff. I'm sure we've all fielded questions and comments about bus shelter maintenance. Every time I reach out to Marin Transit, you guys jump on it immediately. And nine times out of 10, it's not even our responsibility. So I appreciate you always doing that. Uh, but it makes me wonder, should we embark on some exercise with local jurisdictions to more formalize maintenance agreements? I know that could be a very large exercise, or do we feel kind of handling on a case-by-case -case basis and doing that research as they come up. What, what's the, the best way to continue to manage this moving forward? And I'm happy to just keep sending them your direction too, but I... Go ahead, Anna, if you want to. Um, certainly in many... It's a great question, which we have attempted to... Um, we have attempted to look at with different jurisdictions. Um, a lot of times jurisdictions don't even know who is maintaining their stops either. So it becomes sort of a black hole. Certainly, I think we can look at um, approaching that again. I think so far, despite it taking staff effort, um, handling it on a case-by-case -case basis has um, been the most effective way. I, I think you said it. It's it's a huge challenge to get agreements on all these variety of stops and different sorts of amenities that are there and who's responsible for them. So, um, and we did take a stab at it at one point in time and weren't successful. But I think it's probably a good time to go back and look at whether there is some opportunity for that. Yeah. yeah. Or if Marine Trans just continues to maintain that database and be the source of truth. I mean, as there's turnover in all these jurisdictions. Yeah. Um, that that institutional knowledge starts to carry a lot of a lot of weight with it too. So happy to engage in any efforts, but just want to commend the staff because you do an excellent job in responding to inquiries as they come in. So, thank you. Thanks. Nothing over here. All right. Well, Anna, thank you very much. Um, I'll see if there's any public comment on this item. Anything? Anyone online, Kate? There are no raised hands on Zoom. Okay, so with that, we will adjourn. And um, many thanks to everyone. Great first meeting in person for mm -hmm. in transit. Thank you. All right.